I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Mike Morgan, and we're back. Me, G, and, uh, well, you, the listener, to run through what was, I reckon, a tasty weekend of combat sports. But anyway, before I even get into all of that, how are you, G? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm ready to talk about, you know, this fight. I've been anticipating this card, so I'm so happy it finally happened. TJ is back. <laughs> you think but before we get into all of that i i have to say i've been spying on you and uh out the corner of my eye i saw that you were running one of your legendary spaces last night now i was uh under the influence of sangster's um rum cream so uh i would have been oh no good to man nor beast if i had actually stepped in what did i miss in the well, uh, in the spaces because i know you're joining me this coming Friday for a look at Marvel's finest, what they've been up to um, this year. But uh, what did I miss in this spaces this past you, weekend? Well, you would have been welcomed in my spaces. You weren't the only person that had a couple of drinks, you know, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> last night. Yeah, so we had a little bit of fun with that, but it was just kind of fun to experience it with other Twitter users and watch it live. But we had a really good time. I mean, the main event was popping, Tyler was fun. You know, we we chucked it up and, and you missed out and you were more than welcome to join us, even drunk. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, is that why you've got the, the coffee on the boil? Is that why you're sipping um, a brew? Because you, you, you're, you're nursing a sore head as well. Was it really that? that I don't have a sore head, but I stay up late being a super stand with other fucking crazy ass fans. And we just talk the fights all night. We argue. You know what I mean? We get drunk. It's, it's, it's so much fun. And I implore other people to join in and talk. Man, I must say one of the better ideas that Twitter has come up with has been spaces. I mean, nowhere can you have a group of people who are just unfiltered. Nowhere can you have have a group of people who basically expose themselves in all their glory or um, uh, hideousness than on spaces. But also, I have to say, it's it's a real look at life because you all know yourself from the recent spaces that you've done. You know, people um, are really kind of like uh, straight up no chaser when it comes to giving their opinions and uh, their views and grabbing the mic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Do you know what I find most interesting about Spaces, Mike? What's is that, that there are so many people in my mentions that I adore, but when mm. they show up in Spaces, it's like they're a totally different person. They want to fight. They're fucking drunk as shit. Or like it's, <laughs> it's, it opens your eyes to how like people really are once you hear their voice, their temperament, their tone, or if they're aggressive or not, or friendly people. Because I'm telling you, I've had some... I've had some friendlies in the mentions show up like some rabid dogs, Mike, in spaces. And that shit is hilarious to me. But it wow. is a lot of fun and it brings us together as sport fans. And it makes us closer as friends, too. 
But you see, that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to venture into spaces last night because I'm easily triggered when I've had a few um, drinks. Yeah. Plus. I'm really, really lightweight. It doesn't really take much to actually get me um, going. And I find that when I've had a bit to drink, where I'd normally be the mellow fellow, which is my true personality, I really do believe. Mm-hmm. And I let a lot of things slide and things um, that great other people, I'm Teflon Don in terms of my skin. I find like the slightest bit of disrespect or what I perceive to be disrespect is like met with like 300 style anger. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, this but is that's, utter over the most but, minor of things. And I find that the weed smokers are not like that. When they're in spaces. So shout out to them and myself, like having a calm, cool head. But I actually like folks like y'all. I just find that I have to manage the aggressive <clears throat> men that drink in spaces. <laughs> I just either snatch your mic or put you in timeout. And then that's it. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people can tell that like, oh, no, I'm in timeout. I, I fucked up. And then I bring you back. You know, like sometimes you do have to calm the room down because yeah. one bad take will turn into a lynching. You know, so and then you throw alcohol in the mix, it can get ugly. But I do my best to make it friendly and just kind of calm it down, though. Wow. Speaking of calming down, what wasn't calm was UFC Vegas 32. I'm not going to lie, without a shadow of a doubt, this has been one of the most enjoyable cards I've seen in a long while, where the star power wasn't there where the hype wasn't there, where basically, you know, it was kind of like flying under the weight radar in terms of who the runners and riders were. And in the, in the time-honored fashion, I reckon it's only right that we kind of like get to grips with what we felt were the talking points and issues for this particular card. Um, I'm going to be rude and start off because I can't wait to get your opinion on Sajara Eubanks, her return mm-hmm to the cage and this time a return to 125 for me which was a kind of like one-sided bit of bloodletting and she destroyed Elise Reed's eye and um Ooh. I'm not gonna lie it, it it this is what it looked like it looked as though she was trying to distract her with those sub attempts because they seemed to be either she well was. ended or yeah. She was playing chess. I'm two steps ahead of you in terms of moves. That's not what I really want to do. What I really want to do is destroy your face and destroy your eye because that's how the fight was stopped. A phenomenal performance. But I'm not sure if you agree with me here. Was this kind of a gimme for Sajara Eubanks? You're returning or you're you're actually down at 125 now. And um, this is someone who you should run through. But here is a nice easing into this weight category. What did you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think if you look up Elise Reed, you're going to find that she is now four and one, but she's not very experienced. And she comes from cage. What's that? What's that place called, Mike? Um, cage Fury Fighting Championships. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. So she's a bit inexperienced and I think it showed, but I don't want to take away from Sarge's performance and also mm. how she looked. Okay. She was given a fastball that she knocked right out the park. She showed her grappling. She showed her improved positional awareness. She showed like, even though it was an easy fight for her, she looked really good and she did what she was supposed to do. And she broke that lady's orbital. I'm pretty sure. Oh, and she was right. And she was in control the whole time, no matter where they were on the mat, on the feet, she just showed control and let's let's discuss the love handles that were not there mike like her body was flawless like Mm. she looked really good yeah and i like what she did with elise reed but it was a gimme fight but good on her on how she performed 
you know I don't know but we usually just touch on like two each in terms of what floated um, our collective boats. But I could go on for days about, you know, the collective kind of, um, well, violence that we saw last night. And it, was, it wasn't just any old violence. I'm talking like precision. I'm talking like not wasted in terms of shots. I'm talking like sub attempts. I'm talking like, for mm-hmm. me, it was almost as though we were being kind of like spoiled because of the card that we've got coming up this coming Saturday. And I, I know it's the old, old Dana White adage that you shouldn't judge a card until you've actually watched it. But come on, man, it does look as though this was kind of like, hmm, well, here are some gems because what we've got coming up is uh, not really going to be as tantalizing. But, you know, I've got a question for you, <laughs> Jara Eubanks. Mm. I, I'm intrigued. I thought for a moment there, we'd actually put Sajara Eubanks on timeout. And I just want to kind of check with you because you're my social metronome. You are the one that pulls me in. You are the one that says, Mike, you're talking at your ass. I want to check that um, Sajara Eubanks is now in our good books because I thought for the longest while that she was on the timeout step. She was basically on suspension in terms of our fandom because of the domestic abuse which had been leveled at her after everybody had actually seen, commented and shared that video of her and her spouse or her other half. And she was basically going to town on her. Um, It seemed very animated, it seemed very loud. And um, at points it, 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 you know, it was almost a precursor to violence. Now, where do you stand on Sajara Eubanks? Where do I stand on that? That's a very interesting question. I feel like something went on in that house that resulted in violence. I just don't know who was the aggressor and I'm hearing a lot of different things. And what I'm disappointed about most is that I would love to hear some type of follow-up just to make sure that everything is okay in that home mm-hmm. or that, you know, cause I really don't know who the victim is and I don't really know what's going on, but it, it did concern me. But I don't think we saw or heard enough for like the, the community to cancel her. I know folks were upset. But if you notice, it didn't really last very long. And now she's back in our winning, you know, graces. So we should see how that plays out. But we definitely need more. You're right, because that was one of the things that I had to kind of like row back on. And initially I was like, yay, Joe Eubanks. And like, you know, I put out a tweet and, you know, it made me feel a little bit kind of, well, I suppose apprehensive to say anything more because of that very video kind of, played into my mind when I was talking about, you know, her success. And um, especially when she said something along the lines of um, um, I'm back to my violent self in the cage or something like that. It made me think, yeah. well, hopefully that's Hope- the only place. Hopefully not at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hopefully not at home, but that's what I mean by more like if you're going to be involved in an incident like that, I think it's best that your manager make a statement. I think it's best you make a statement just to smooth things over with fans that maybe can't separate the fighter from the violence at home. And there are people that exist like that because we have victims of domestic violence. We have people that were made uncomfortable by that video. And there are some people that can't separate that from what they're seeing in the octagon. And those Mm -hmm. fans do exist. So you need to address that. But I think she's just going to move on, not address it and keep on with her winning ways. And nonetheless, she did look good last night against an opponent that was, I think was a mismatch. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I hear that. I just want to quietly say, 
you did well, Sajara. I, I love that performance. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to say that too loudly. Speaking of right. um, loud, <laughs> there were quite a lot to actually uh, shout about. What was what um, made you kind of like say, whoa, last night? Um, Julio Arce, what is it? Um, Arce versus Andre Yule. How am I, okay. how should nope. I say it? Nailed it, nailed it. We'll, we'll okay. go with that because uh, any anything else I'm gonna um, actually offer will be either a further butchering because I would I would have him down as Julio Arce. Arce. I think you're correct. So we're gonna go with that. And Julio, if we if we mispronounce your name, we are so sorry. But I'd like to say that your performance was stunning, sir. Okay, so it was very interesting to me because he went from featherweight to bantamweight, and he's you know had a little bit of a layoff. He's had some ups and downs in his career. And not for nothing, I kind of forgot about this guy and how sharp he is. And then he quickly reminded me when he dismantled and KO'd Andrew Newell. And it was beautiful. I love the way he picked his shots. I love how he was in range, out of range, came in and just did what he had to do. He was calm, focused. He didn't look like somebody that had been struggling with injuries and whatnot and coming back to the UFC. And he didn't really look like somebody that was making a debut in a weight class. In fact, I, I wonder if he's going to become a dark horse. And it's crazy that I'm talking like this over just one fight in the bantamweight division. But I was really impressed with his performance. And Andre Yule is no easy fight for anybody. I, I like the tenacity in which kind of like he doggedly pursued his opponent. But I had like, um, I don't know, maybe like flashbacks of earlier performances, because if I remember rightly, um, Rain me in again if I, I'm totally wrong on this, but um, Andre Yule was actually coming off two losses, right? And I don't know. No, no. So one loss. That was it. It was Chris uh, Gutierrez. I just remember mm. like the, the whole tentative performance. I just remember the whole kind of like, um, well, it, it, it just seemed like he wasn't there. And I got like kind of, kind of smatterings of that last night to be honest with you but you you tell me if I, i'm wrong there in that there, there does seem to be a tentative nature to the way that this man fights i do agree with you on that but i do believe it's more about julio than it is about andre yule i just ah. simply think he was the better fighter the better striker and he just looked a bit more savvy and like he fought like a veteran last night i was very impressed with the shots he was picking very impressed with his accuracy and I liked his performance, and I think it's it's more about Julio than it is about Andre. But I do see your point. I do remember in his last two fights, he did seem a bit uh, tense. So maybe that's something he needs to work on. But I still think that it was a good matchup, good fight. Andre still has some fight in him. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. you you saying the word tense makes me feel that we have discussed this before because mm -hmm. that's what I'm sure that you said the last time when we we discussed them. And um, yeah, that's a mm -hmm. that's a really good way of actually describing what happened last night. I did see tentative um, efforts, yes. but I saw a tense guy, and it was almost as though, man, I, I don't know what the corner was saying to him, but nah, that weren't it. Yeah, and if he does that in his third fight, Mike, like if he looks tense or tentative or hesitant, mm. then I'm going to roll with your theory. Three strikes, you're out. You yeah. know, so if, if next fight, if he looks the way, like he's cowering the way that you're describing what I've seen, we can confirm that in his third fight. But let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Mickey Gall and Jordan Williams. I know mm. that Mickey Gall isn't everybody's cup of tea. I know that there are. He's not mine, Mike. <laughs> 
Tell out there. I was about to say that. Want to <laughs> see him gone. Want to see him uh, thrown out. Wanna that that would be your co-host. Get him the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> that would be definitely you. Um, for me, though, remember the story about Mickey Gould and how he was introduced. That's why I like him and his introduction. But I just get... Remind me of that story. Didn't he just well, simply fight CM Punk? Isn't that his... Isn't that his, like, you know, his claim to fame, the CM Punk fight? If, if I remember rightly, wasn't he brought in to fight, um, uh, what's, what's the guy's name again? God, he's in one now. Oh, man, it just slipped out of my head. Um, it was Sage Northcutt. No? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he beat the shit out of him on the feet, too. For a fight. Um, yeah, yeah, series. yeah. And... He'd actually requested, I'm sure that's how it went, that he'd actually requested to come in to fight um, Sage Northcutt. And then. So he, he beats up, like, he's the guy that shows up to beat up, like, in the circus fights in the US. Yes. And. And you like I, that? I, I, no, I, I can see why um, <laughs> people like yourself aren't really too kind of enamored with him. But you have to admit that there is a story here, there is a narrative, and, you know, he looked good out there. He looked really, okay. really good against Jordan Williams. And, um, you know, Williams was out there looking like some kind of mumble rapper. If I, if I remember right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Performed like a mumble rapper as well. Wasn't Jordan Williams, because I don't watch it. Wasn't he yes. in a white contender series? Um, He's a pup. He's a contender night. series pup. Yes. Yeah. And I tweeted last night, like, this fight hurt my feelings. Because it's like... I'm one of those people that's like, I don't want to see fighters like this on the, on, in the UFC. I don't want to even see them on the prelims. They know yeah. damn well fighters like Jordan Williams are not ready for this show. They're not. Okay. This is the second time I've seen Jordan Williams fight and seen him fight with lots of flaws in his, you know, in his game. And he's just should be on the regional circuit. God bless him. He's a lot of fun, but I'm kind of tired of seeing how some of these contender series guys are being treated. They're literally pinatas or just there to be thrown to the wolves like Mickey Gall. But nonetheless, Mickey Gall had an excellent performance. Thank you. That right hand was smoking. We I liked how one. he, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm hard on, I'm being hard on the contender series in Jordan Williams, but I'm not going to take away from the fact that Mickey Gall fought a good fight. Whether I like him or not, the kid fought a good fight. The transition to Jordan's back and the switching of the hands to make to ensure he got that um, submission was flawless. And let's not forget he got this done in the first round. Yeah. So Mickey Gall had a tight ass fight, Mike. I agree with you, but I, my, my feelings are hurt. Jordan shouldn't be in there. You're right. And and speaking of shouldn't be in there, um, I know along the timeline, this was the mm. kind of narrative. Mickey Gall, what do you do with him? Okay, he didn't lose this fight, but. He did lose this fight, if, if that makes sense. Because Jordan Williams, you're right, looked like he shouldn't be in there. So who do oh. you give Mickey Gall next? I have no idea. I'm not a big fan of this guy. But I say keep giving him contender. If you want to make him look good, keep feeding him. Make him like a contender series fucking gatekeeper type of dude. Because I don't think Mickey is that good of a fighter. Like he can hang in the UFC at like bottom of the barrel prelims, as you can see. Yeah. But um keep giving him people that are like new to the UFC and kind of 
coming out of the contender series. Why not? Because he's either going to put on a great show or the contender series athlete is going to step up his game and really try to put Mickey out of there. So me personally, I think cut him regardless. I'm not a fan of his. <laughs> Mike, I saw him fight in New Jersey when I saw uh, Robbie Lawler fight Colby. And it was just such a lackluster fight. And that was his hometown in Jersey. And it, it just was a shitty fight. I'm just not impressed with this kid, unfortunately. <laughs> Any more for any more before we move past the prelims? I'm sure you got one other ace up your side. Oh, yeah. We have to discuss the um, the middleweight bout, which was the featured prelim, Brendan Allen versus uh, Soriano. And this fight was a lot of fun. And I just want to give Brendan Allen a shout out for somebody that's known for his grappling. He's really slick on the floor in his wrestling. I really like his ground game. But yeah. he's falling in love with his kickboxing. And he's not doing it the Damian Maya way. Like people aren't smoking him in the process of falling in love with his kickboxing. He's actually quite successful. And mm-hmm. he's getting better every fight with his kickboxing. Like the, the way he was like, throwing some of these punches at Soriano and just getting out of the, getting out of the way of of Soriano's counters and his forward aggression was beautiful. The teeth kicks, the the combinations. I was very impressed because at one at, you know, when I was watching the fight, I was like, when is he going to shoot on him? This is what Alan does best. And he was like, nah, I'll stand with this guy. And don't forget Mike Soriano was landing some really hard punches. Yeah. Did you see, did you see them? Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. And, 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 it was commendable the punishment that Soriano was uh, taking as well. Both we, of them, yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna attempt his uh, his first name then Punahili. <laughs> you saw me quickly just be like, yeah, Soriano. Soriano. I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm not even gonna try that shit. Like, say it's so Punahili, Punahili, or I, I I was calling him Punahili. That sounds like Punani to me, so I'm gonna stick to <laughs> Soriano. I'm going to stick to Soriano versus Brendan Allen. But nonetheless, like, I love Soriano's performance as well. It had a lot of heart, but it, it proved to me, too, like, he's going to get better and he's still going to continue to hit really hard. So eventually, when he's like, goes up the rankings, he's going to be a little bit of a problem with that knockout power he has. Jesus Christ. And Brendan Allen ate some really hard shots. They both did. I like this fight. <laughs> so moving on to to the main card before we get into the main card though um i've got to admit that i was really really gutted that macy chasson and aspen land yeah. um, dropped from the card I, I i see where macy was coming from especially you know against the background of stress fractures and uh talk of you know well basically um preventative measures basically leading up to this fight um, would be best observed when you look at what happened to Conor McGregor. If you've got a stress fracture, if you've got uh, an issue, an underlying issue, it makes sense to kind of like uh, not aggravate that by jumping into a fight if you do have that as an underlying condition. But I have to say I was mad that it wasn't taking place. How about you? Oh, completely gutted because I, um, you know, I'm team Macy and I thought team... You know, I thought Macy was going to get it done as well. I was picking her to win this fight. And I think she's very capable of winning that fight. So, and I think Aspen Ladd is also a formidable challenger and she was going to bring it as well. So I think we missed out on a good fight. But I agree with you, Mike. If you can't walk around, then you can't fight. And I was hearing that Macy was having trouble fighting. I mean, walking. So if you can't walk, you're not fighting. And secondly, Mm -hmm. did we not see what happens when you ignore injuries? Or, you know, if if Connor is telling the truth that he had some injuries leading up to this, then I think every fighter needs to take note that maybe you shouldn't fight when you have a fracture or issues going on with your your legs or your arms and you're going to use them as a weapon. You could break them. 
So good on her for walking, you know, for stepping away from the fight. But I heard, Mike, Mm. that there's a possibility they're going to redo this in six weeks. So keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, keep your fingers crossed. Fantastic. Bit of breaking news there. I know you got the inside track. (laughs) Yes, and we're keeping our fingers crossed. I'm hoping Aston Ladd accepts the six-week offer and the UFC approves as well. Because I think it's a great matchup, and they both should be fighting each other at this time. It's one of those. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Speaking of fighting each other at this time, I mean, Adrian Yanez versus Randy Costa, it was a pretty much, uh, well, the most anticipated fight on this card. A lot of people had been calling for this one. And Adrian Yan has been riding a six fight win streak and, um, you know, arguably one of the hottest prospects in the bantamweight class. And um, I have got to admit, I was absolutely bowled over by his incredible hand speed, beautiful jab and head movement and the timing uh, from Costa though. Because oh, first beautiful. round belonged to Costa. Even though there was this build-up, there was this hype about Adrian Yanez. No one can tell me that that jab was not beautiful. No one can tell me that the hand speed was not phenomenal and the head movement to go with that. But um, it, it just it just strikes me as well that, I don't know if you noticed, but whenever um, Yanez was moving to Costa, he wasn't where... Yanis thought he would be. It was almost as though he was some kind of ghost. He was some kind of shadow. But Yanis mm-hmm. was patient. He was really yep. patient. And after some great coaching in the, um, I think it was, no, it was at the end of the first. Um, I think his corner said something like, you're better than this. That did the trick because he mercilessly stopped Costa um, in the second. That fight was wild. It really did live up to expectations. And I, I thought a lot of people were kind of like, you know, this this guy's hot. This guy is kind of like the guy to look out for Randy Costa. I was like, huh? So where is he in the first? But man, did he show up in the second. Oh, my God. Like, what a, first and foremost, what an exhilarating fight. And also, what an exhilarating first round by Costa, man. I did not expect to see that explosive-ass jab. And also, his hand speed, the way he was kicking, and the way he established his range immediately from the start of the fight was impeccable. Like he just knew exactly the length and the range in which he needs to fight. And he just put it on Yanez immediately. And and I picked Yanez to win because I think Randy Costa, although he's pretty fast, he leaves openings to be countered or he can be hit. And he, Randy gave Yanez no room to do that. And Yanez had trouble figuring out the range, Mike. Like he had trouble getting in on the inside because of how fast Randy was. Mm. How, however, I loved how the tides changed because this is why I picked Adrian Yanez. He has more fight experience. Once he gets in that range and you're kind of giving him, you know, those openings, he's going to capitalize. And you saw what he did, the body shots, the combinations, the precision. Yeah. So basically yeah. when he had the opening, he didn't fuck around and pick the wrong shots. He didn't fuck around and, and he knew what to do. And he stopped that fight. And that's why I picked him. And I was really, really happy. However, Mike, How does Randy go forward being that his style of fight is catered to win in the first round? I don't think you can survive in the UFC and especially in the bantamweight division, just being a really fast first round, you know, fighter. What advice would you give him for fights that are going to go past the second round? And now what about wrestling and whatnot? What do you do do for Randy? He does need to even out his game, you're right. And in terms of his game plan as well, because he's a killer, a surgeon mm-hmm. killer. And um, 
I, I, I like his style though. I'm not going to lie. I, I, if I was his coach or if I was on his team, I wouldn't be telling him anything different because I love the way in which he kind of like, I mean, this is a really good example. Let's just imagine that he could actually sustain that onslaught in the second. If he could s- sustain that pace and he could sustain those, well, that, that jab in, in the second as, as well. Come on, we'd be having a different conversation here. Okay, you knew that it wasn't going to happen. I certainly didn't. I'm not going to lie. I thought this guy, he's giving him problems here. But well, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I picked Yanez before the fight, but in the first round, I was like, man, I might have picked wrong and Costa might win. <laughs> so in the second round, when when Yanez switched things up, I was yeah. like, okay, I'm back to like what I thought here. <laughs> you know, like I was also having problems with my pick and how they were performing yeah God damn randy was fighting so well in the first round but it's it's why i asked you that question although he looked good that's problematic he gassed a little bit in the second round what happens when somebody wrestles him too what happens when someone can get in on the inside and doesn't give a fuck about his reach yeah. you can be explosive in the first round but when somebody figures out how to shut that down or to avoid that and capitalize off of that randy's in trouble and let's mm-hmm. not forget, he's only six and two. He's new. So he's got a little bit of work, but fantastic first round. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Next up, Macy Barber and the Maverick. Oh, talk shit. to me about that. They need to talk to you. It's a robbery. Maverick and Miranda won that fight, man. And it made me kind of mad. You know, like I really, she, I, it, to me, this is a robbery. It's not, it, was it a close fight? Eh, yeah, whatever. But Miranda pulled did enough to win this fight, and it's a shame. And I think we really need to like have more discussions about judging. It just seems since the COVID era that judging is fucked up. And I don't know if it's like they're bringing in boxing coaches or if they're not paying attention or I don't know what's going on, but it needs to be addressed and they need to be held accountable. These are people's records, livelihoods, the work they put in. Macy up there giving a speech like she really won that fight. She did it. She calling out Jessica. I know Miranda should be calling someone out. What do you think, Mike? No, the judging was egregious there. And we, we're both like on the same page when we say that, you know, Miranda Maverick definitely won that fight. But you know something? I, I, mm-hmm. I, do, I do feel, though, that um, you, you again talk me down from the ledge. But mm-hmm. has, is, it, is it me or does Maverick have a really horrible habit of just putting her head down and just swinging wildly, but never hitting anything? Now, in the eyes of a yes. judge, I, I can understand looking at that. You're like, well, you're not hitting anything. So what am I scoring here? I want to underline, I'm on the same page with you when, when, when we are agreed in saying Miranda Maverick um, lost, but don't give judges any excuses to mark you down. Yeah, but it just seems so unfair that fighters have now to have to cater to judges and how they see the fight now. And I think that pertains more to like the main event. But like Miranda, I I don't remember which round, but she seemed to slow down at a certain point. And if a fighter is up two rounds and they want to slow down, kind of like when Damian Maya backpedals, that is a strategy. Fans might not like it like Leon does it. Damian Maya does it. Mm. And I don't know if Miranda does it on purpose or not because she's a prospect. But if you're up two rounds, you can coast in the third round, whether the fans like it or not. And the judge should be able to be like, okay, he coasted the third round, but he won the first two. I I just think it's kind of messed up if that's part of your game plan that that you can't really do that anymore during the COVID era. Like you have to literally cater 
to judges and how they might see things. Like when we get up to the TJ fight and, and Corey, we're really going to have to discuss that too. Octagon yeah. control versus damage. Miranda Maverick, she can't coast for a round, but yet Macy can turn it up and win a fight she didn't deserve. Ah, something's going on. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, and for real though, Mike, I thought Miranda won the first round and the second round. I understand that Macy had a momentum shift towards the end of the second round, but she, you know, come on. Miranda won two rounds clean. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. First and second, definitely. Yeah. Macy turned it up in the third and that yeah. you don't win. You don't win a fight by turning it up in this in the second half of the, you know, like during the second round at the end mm-hmm. and then the third round. That's not winning the fight. You had a momentum change in the second round and you won the third. That doesn't win her the fight. That's not fair. Mm, I'm not sure if it was uh, Sangster's famous Jamaican rum cream that was making me feel. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of hate on the timeline for um for uh, Macy Barber. What was that all about? I don't get it. I think two things. I think Macy, I don't blame Macy for talking shit like every other fighter and claiming to be like the youngest champion ever. Like you got to set goals and you got to talk shit in MMA. So I don't fault her for that. The problem is, is that she didn't really back it up. And then there were some fights like when she came back from that layoff and from her injury, she was literally shadow boxing. She was out of range. She lost to Grasso. You know, uh, Roxanne Mataferi came out, jabbed her up and beat the shit out of her. So it's Mm -hmm. like the talk don't match the fighting. And then now you have this close fight. You're fighting another prospect and you eked by. So the hype trail is derailing. And also the jumping from gym to gym, like something going on with Macy. Not everything's clicking and the fans can see that. I hear you. I hear you. Moving on, Darren Elkins and Derek Minna. Minna. I really enjoyed this fight. It was so enjoyable to watch. And there was some high-level transitions and sub-attempts. It was highly competitive. I, I personally, you know, I, I would have been really, really uh, hard-pressed to see who would won if it, actually, actually, if it had actually gone to the third round. And, um, you know, we're looking at a decision here because they were so evenly matched in terms of their yeah. skills. Well, their skill set. Elkins getting it done in the second uh, round of that submission win, I have to say, was classy. It looked excellent. And like I say, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this one. How about you? I enjoyed it too. And shout out to the matchmakers because I feel like with this whole card and also with this matchup, the matchmaking was meticulous and right down the middle. That therefore why we got great fights like this. Like, but in typical Derek Minner fashion, he came out ready to go. And then he starts to get a little tired or he starts to make mistakes in round two or three. And he did it in round two. And Darren, we all know was a dog. He's never going to quit. You could beat the shit out of him. And he's literally never going to quit. And that's what happened here. And he capitalized off of Derek's mistakes. But in typical Darren fashion, he looked ugly as fuck. He looked damaged. He looked hurt. He was blood. I hate his ugly fights, but he got it done. And Derek made a mistake. So hopefully he addresses that. I'm seeing some like, you know, patterns with Derek. So hopefully he uh, addresses that. But good on Darren for this one. Yeah. Co-main, Carl Phillips and Rolian Pavia or Pavia, sorry. And um, another really close um, back and forth in terms of who was actually winning. I mean, Pavia took some real clean shots. And again, he should be like... There should be there should be some kind of award for punishment taken during a fight because this guy took it mm-hmm. clean shots that he took, which made me think, 
How are you still standing? Why are you still standing? Why they don't actually do some tests after the, their fights um, for concrete in their jaw? Because there's no way that he should have actually walked through those. And he did. But, you know, a well-deserved win, a really well-deserved win by Pavia. And um, I don't know, maybe I, I, I got um, the wrong end of, um, well, reading people's body language, but I, I get a feeling that Carl Phillips thought he won that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't particularly know why, because like I thought he won the first round, but uh, mm. Pavia just ate those shots and, and turned the tides on him. Yep. And I was not surprised that he won. But what, what did surprise me was that the Kyler Jenner that I'm familiar with, the one that beat y- um, Yadong Song, is not the fighter I think that showed up tonight. I mean, last night. I really don't. I just thought that he was more concerned with being flashy, which is, is, is his fight style. But I did feel like he fought a smarter, more measured fight and, was, and balanced the flashiness with, Yao, um, with Song. And I just was kind of surprised that fighter did not show up for Pavia. And I wonder if he overlooked him or did not take him as serious or thought he could be a bit more flashy with him. And he paid the price for that if he had that mentality. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's too bad of a loss for Kyler, but it did stop his forward momentum, but he's still a prospect. So he can still, you know, make his way back from this. Question for you, Mike. We saw a lot of prospect fights on this card. We had yes. uh, Miranda Maverick versus Macy. That's a prospect fight. I believe this is also a pr- prospect fight. Phillips and um, um, how do you say his name? Paeva. That's a Hi. prospect fight. Right. And then we had our fucking main event prospect fight, which was, you know, Yanez and Costa. Do you think prospect fights like these damage the prospect that loses? No, not at all. It tests their metal. I think that we keep talking about mismatches. So when we get competitive fights, we should just lap those up. And I think as well, the whole point of a prospect, I would have thought, is to see whether they're able to weather the storm, because then that's when you're giving them the more difficult opponent after this one. So no, definitely, in my opinion, I don't think um, anybody's rep, anybody's um, brand was actually um, knackered because of the fact that, you know, they were seen as a prospect. How about you? No, I, um, I am in favor of prospect elimination bouts, to be honest with you, because if you do it at the right time, it doesn't hurt the losing prospect. Like I, Miranda Maverick, what is she, bottom of the barrel now? Absolutely not. She's just going to come back and make her way back up. Yeah. You know, like that doesn't hurt her. Uh, Costa looked so brilliant in the first round and what what was had like six first round finishes. He's just fine with this loss early in his career. And Paeva made a really nice name for himself. Now he's on people's radar and Kyla Jenner is still a dynamic fighter that's going to make his way back up. So absolutely, Mike, do I have a problem with prospect fights? No. Matter of fact, Mike, Mike Perry and Darren Till, when they were pups and yelling at each other through a fucking cage, they should have fought. And neither one of them would have suffered from a loss. So you have to be careful not to miss good matchups like Giannis and Costa being too cautious with prospects. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Makes yeah. crystal clarity in terms of sense. Yeah. No, I hear yeah, that. I think so. I think so. Man, but what a great card, man. Mm. Main event, former training partners, uh, TJ Dillashaw and the Sandman. Um, in, in, you know, what I hadn't actually appreciated was that um, Sandhagen actually, <coughs> excuse me, helped TJ Dillashaw prepare for um, Dominic Cruz. Hadn't actually appreciated that in, in a run-up to his clash. He called in the Sandman. 
um, to help yeah, that's him pretty out. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, I, I have to say, Sandhagen busting TJ open with that right cross to the eye. I thought that was going to be the ending of the fight, to be honest with you. Because if you look back or if you look online, you'll see the pictures and you could actually fit an entire coin inside the open cut. You know, for me, though, for me, the, the MVP of this fight was Brad Tate. Brad Tate is the cut man who dealt with uh, the <laughs> single round. He saved the fight, right? Yeah, he saved it. And having worked with, um, well, not worked with, but having filmed behind the scenes with Brad Tate when he worked Glory, my man, I have to say, props to him. He is so funny his sense of humor is absolutely incredible but oh yeah fight yeah he's 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 definitely uh he's definitely one of my favorite cut men and um i've got some uh footage of uh of of brad which one day i'm gonna you know put together in terms of uh a, a, a highlight reel but um you'll see what i'm talking about once i actually put that together but he asked me i think um he, he'd actually got wind of uh, what I was going to do in terms of like putting that together in terms of a piece of piece of footage, and uh, he asked me not to do it, so I, uh, I I I I obliged him. But one of these days, once he does give me permission, seriously, it's hilarious, and um, I'm going to be uh, having a private screening, I think, if he doesn't allow me to actually make that public. But getting back to the fight, you know, for someone who's been two years out of the game, TJ, I'm not going to lie, he looked amazing. He looked amazing even without the EPO. But um, again, I, I guess you're going to like kind of like um, manage my uh, manage my enthusiasm. <laughs> that my, what are you talking about? But no, props to TJ. He looked good. He looked really, really good. Yeah, I think for someone that came into the fight with uh, numerous injuries and that was confirmed after the fight, uh, the fact that I don't care what you say, ring rust is real and ring rust should be called time away from the octagon. It does affect you. Um, and also on top of that, man, not not having steroids. I'm one of those people that think that TJ was using them. And I'm not going to get into a back and forth with people about how long and this, this and that. But we know for a fact he was shooting himself up with very, <laughs> you know, strong um, blood doping steroids. So yeah. he didn't have those. He didn't have that in his fight. And he still beat the number one contender. Yeah. And as far as the fight being close, I can see it going for either fighter, but I did score for TJ. I watched it this morning, sober, free of any marijuana, free of, <laughs> free of allegedly. spaces. Yeah. Allegedly free of any spaces, free of any distractions. And I scored the fight for TJ because it's what we always talk about on this show. It's called a poker face. And it also like who is sitting in the judge's seat. Is it a judge that looks at control more than a judge that like, you know, can, you know, favors damage. That's all this like argument is about. TJ showed that he was in control by coming forward and then he stalled against the cage. And whether you think it's stalling or not, a judge might've scored that points for him. And then he had the two takedowns. And then Corey was always on the back foot, but landing the harder shot. So it's just how like you perceive this fight and, I think the judges saw it in TJ's favor because of how he was fighting and how he looked, you know, not the damage on his face, but how he was portraying himself. Someone that was putting a Corey against the cage, someone that was just coming forward all the time. Yeah. And I think that won him the fight, especially in the fourth and fifth rounds, which is what a savvy vet does. And one more thing about Corey, Mike, I know I'm going on and on, but Corey did make some spinning kick mistakes and shit. 
You know what I mean? There were times when it was like, you cannot throw that against TJ. He's going to get on your back, throw you up against the cage or take you down. And that's what we saw. Like, Corey cannot be fancy against TJ. And I think if they ever fight again, which they will, he's going to clean up those mistakes and capitalize. But just to, you know, kind of like uh, capitalize on the Corey Sandhagen love that you're actually giving out right now. I mean, let's not Mm -hmm. forget... I personally love the flying knees. I love the constant way yes. Sandhagen um, kept TJ guessing with a selection of shots. Now, mm-hmm. right, some of them were a little bit too flashy, some of them which didn't um, land, but a lot of what he pulled off, he pulled off going backwards, which is yes. feet. That was incredible to see. Right. Which is how he likes to fight too. And it's just is how, which is, he's successful doing that. So that's why he was okay with doing that, but it gave the appearance that TJ was in control and pushing him on that back Mm. foot. Mm. That's the problem, you know? Not that it's a problem, but some judges see it that way. And some judges think that wrapping yourself around someone's body against the cage contributes to control. And some are like, nah, you're not doing nothing. So I'm not giving you no points. It just depends which judge is watching the fight. Yeah. And as well, he should be commended on his tenacity and heart. Because when you think about it, TJ had a gash across his eyebrow. And a bum knee. Yeah. And 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 the bum knee as well. And still. From the submission attempt. Yep. Yeah. Still kept surging forward. And that, to some fighters, might be quite disheartening. Look, you basically opened up a black hole in this man's face, but he's still coming forward like the Terminator. But no. And and I got inside scoop, Mike. I mm. got inside scoop. I okay. had a friend. I had Drum a friend roll. that, mm. yeah, do, 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 she got the inside <laughs> scoop. I have a friend that trains with Macy uh, Chiazon. So she was there the whole time at the weigh-ins at media day. She was there with the fighter. Okay. And, sh- and she snuck in the DM chat like, yo, TJ is limping at media day. TJ is limping. And she kept saying, it, y'all, he's injured. TJ didn't say anything. And I didn't, I don't betray her trust. Like I don't go on the timeline and be like, so-and-so just said she's at the way. I don't do that. Cause that's my friend. So yeah. I kept quiet about it until after the fight, of course, respect to that friend. But she did say that. And then after the fight, TJ admitted that he came into the fight with injuries, Ah, and, you know, and then on top of it, Corey grabbed his leg because he's so comfortable fighting off his back, which is another issue I have with Corey. Like, you're good at that, but just don't do that with TJ. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when he did that with TJ, he did tweak his knee. And, and TJ was kind of feeling it out afterwards while fighting Corey. Fucking amazing. He's injured, bro. And he still beat the number one contender or he still beat the number one contender in the eyes of the judges, which is veteran move. Mike, we often talk about this. Look at John Jones's poker faces. A lot of that shit gets him that decision win. Yeah. Look at Carla Esparza holding people on the ground, on their back, not doing nothing with it, but winning fights, correct? Yeah. There you go. There's, there's an issue with judging. It depends on how the judges look at the fight rather than what's really going on with damage and significant strikes and outlanding someone. I hear that. I, I, we need to discuss it. I'm telling you, it's going to become increasingly a problem and fans are getting upset. You know, there is this, I don't know, I don't want to sound disrespectful and I don't want to sound ungrateful. I really do appreciate the the efforts that the commentators actually give in terms of commentating on the fight. But it just seems to be some kind of like disconnect between actual judging rules and what judges look for and what the commentators are talking about. Because a lot of the time I heard, especially out of the the mouth of uh, Daniel Cormier, that, oh, he's got a takedown. 
well, the person didn't do anything with it at all, but he was putting a lot of store by the fact that, you know, that a takedown had been given or had been um, and, achieved. And but, imagine if he was a judge, exactly. he would give you points you. for riding on Thank his back. You. Meanwhile, yes. a new school judge, someone that is just, you know, maybe younger, I don't know how to describe them, but another judge is like, you ain't doing shit with that takedown, no Thank points you. for you. So mm. this is how some people are winning fights. And this is how some people know how to play the game. Yeah. Don't think fighters aren't discussing this and being like, yo, um, take, get a takedown at the end of the round. That should not, sneaking you a takedown at the end of the round should not win you the fight. But some judges are going to do it and give you that round. And they know that and they're going to do that shit. And I think that's what we saw last night with TJ. I even tweeted it, Mike. I was like, TJ won that fight because he's a sneaky fuck. <laughs> and and I'm a TJ fan, but he did win it from his veteran experience, knowing how to look, knowing how to portray himself. Mm -hmm. Don't look injured. His knee was hurting, but he wasn't showing nobody he was injured. Fuck the face. Fuck the damage on my face. I got this kid backpedaling. That is how he won the fight. Whether you like it or not. And right. if you don't like it, Mike, like, come on, man. That's what he was supposed to do. I don't know. I'm high on TJ. <laughs> well UFC Vegas 32 is in the books um, we'll be back as usual midweek with the rest of the fellas Chisanga and Kaios with shots fired until then take care of yourselves Let's go!